feels really good. All right. As they're passing, let's pray. Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Holy Spirit. Help. <laughs> let's say that again. Holy Spirit. Help. <laughs> oh, Jesus, impart to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We want to know you and the cross. We want to know without a doubt the reality of the crucifixion. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Paul said, uh, I wanted to know nothing else. Oh, I'm going to take that real quick. But I, I, I sought to know nothing else among you but Christ and him crucified. Everything in our faith comes from that place. The second we get out of Christ and him crucified, the second we start believing there's any other way, we're coming back under a yoke of bondage. The second you start trying to measure up or follow every jot and, and, and T and dot of the of the law and you start getting into that and that my works make me righteous and you come out of believing in the blood, you begin to come back under again a yoke of bondage. It's very similar to when the uh, Israelites were taken out of Egypt and they're going through the wilderness. But what happened, Egypt wasn't yet out of them. And so the Lord literally read, led them around in the wilderness for 40 years. And every time something didn't go the way they thought it was, the first, their first uh, thought pattern was to run back to Egypt. They're literally, oh, psh, they're getting fed by bread from heaven. And it's not satisfying them. And they begin to cry out for meat. They begin to doubt that that's enough. And then we find out later when Jesus steps on the scene that he goes, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They were being fed and sustained by Jesus himself in the wilderness. But they didn't, they didn't like it. They got tired of the same old thing. Do you know our minds are really like they, the way they're wired, the way we're built, though, we tend to get tired of hearing the same old thing. So then we try to move on from the cross of Jesus Christ. We try to move on from the manna into, oh, oh, just give me meat. I want the deep things, the deep teachings of the word. We see in the book of Revelations, it's very interesting that the, the prophetess, they called her Jezebel. It was obviously a spirit because Jezebel was, was dead years, ago, years prior to the letter being written in the book of Revelations. It says that prophetess Jezebel leads my people into sexual immorality, leads them into all these different things, right? Different sins, adultery, worship, eating food offered to idols. And it's funny because it says, and they think they're wise, these deep teachings, he says, but teachings of Satan, really. Teachings of Satan, really, is what he says, these deep things. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing deeper <laughs> than the crucifixion. There's nothing deeper than faith in the cross. There what greater depths are there? Paul says it's literally the mystery of God. How, how do you get deeper than the very thing that God says is my mystery? Is Christ in us the hope of glory? Is Jesus Christ dying, resurrecting from the dead, 
ascending, sending the Holy Spirit, living and dwelling in men, coming back and redeeming these people. That that faith, that hope, that truth, that is the mystery of God. And we are now the stewards of that mystery. That we are to reveal it and demonstrate it on the earth. This is it. This is our faith. Our faith and hope is in him alone. That's the truth. But again, we keep getting prone to go back to Egypt. We're prone to go back into bondage. We're prone to go back into, I'm not really healed and delivered. We're prone to go back into, well, my reality doesn't line up with what the Bible says, so then the Bible must mean uh, not mean what I was told it says. It must mean later in heaven. It must mean whenever I... I, I translate into that other world or Christ comes back or when heaven finally comes, when, when, when this whole world passes away, well, that's what he meant by I'm healed. Well, that's what he meant by depression would be gone and anxiety would be gone. No, 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 no. He said, in this world you'll have troubles, but fear not, I've overcome the world. It is finished, not a little bit. Not I'm still working on it. It is finished but again this enemy which i don't know if i'll get on that too much today i don't like talk to talking to about about him too much he's not the enemy of your spirit anymore you see if you're in christ what do you mean well when you get born again your spirit is made new right you're born again you're made new you're you're saved you're going to heaven the bible calls him the enemy of your soul He's the enemy of our soul. What is the soul? Well, in the Hebrew and the Greek, the word means a seat of emotion. It's your mind, your will, and your emotion. It's how you think. It's how you feel. It's what you believe. It's actually the thing that rules and reigns your decisions in life, your soul. Then it calls Jesus what? The Savior of our souls. It says this, the word of faith, the implanted word of faith that is able to what? Save your souls. So the word that's implanted, when you believe it, saves your soul. When you believe rightly, your mind, how many of you, like David, your prayer life looks like the book of Psalms? Mine does all the time. I look like I'm bipolar. If you put a camera on my, on my, in my prayer closet, you would think I was bipolar. Because I'll be in there be like, God, oh, my life is hell. And they're so mean, and I'm there. I feel this like, uh, uh. and then the presence and the voice of God comes, and it goes, "Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm amazing. It's okay. I'm gonna go to life. I'm gonna spend eternity with Jesus. Oh, I feel light as a feather. How many of you? That's your reality. That's my reality. Okay, it's real. Read Psalms. David. All David did was like write out his prayer life. Read it. He's like, he's like, God, my enemies surround me. Everyone, all my friends, they stab me in the back. Woe is me. Just kill me. Oh, God, you're amazing. You're glorious. You're splitter. It's literally the book of Psalms. It's the truth. Why? Because, listen, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He who abides in me bears my fruit. I by default, bear peace, love, and joy when I'm abiding in him, by default. But again, the enemy, the tempter, he tempts you out of faith. It's interesting. We don't really have to worry about him. Do you understand? Because he's defeated. He just don't want you to think he's defeated. 
The Bible says that he that Jesus Christ stripped him of all his power. Him and all his consul, all the demons, he stripped them of every bit of their power. Every bit. He says, every principality, power, ruler of darkness in heavenly places, Christ is above them. And then it says this, you are in Christ, seated above. They've been stripped of their power. They want to convince you otherwise, and that's when they actually get power. Because you start putting faith in their words and not the word of faith that's able to save your soul. Because, see, he knows that all, he ca- all he's got to do is get you to not believe rightly. It's by faith you're saved, by, by your belief, through grace, right? By what you believe. Saved means sozo, save, heal, delivered. It's the full man, body, soul, and spirit. It's not just the salvation of your souls. It's also our salvation of our spirit. It's also the salvation of our souls, our mind, will, and our emotions. It's the salvation of our body. As our soul prospers, our body prospers. Man, it's almost like if I start to believe and think rightly, it'll manifest here. Think about that. It's what it says. This is the word of God. If you'll believe it, and I guarantee you, I'm preaching good news. There's faith in the room to believe it. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Real quick. Hmm. Somebody read that first verse for me. The first verse. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Read it out loud for me. Stop. Say that again. Hmm. Who, my translation says this, who has believed our report? So the first question of Isaiah 53 is who has believed? What? Our report. What is the report? You're about to find out. (laughs) And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Revealed, what is that? To have a revelation, to see rightly. Eyes they don't don't see, ears they don't hear. But who comes? The Spirit gives eyes to see and ears to hear. It's a revelation. Who is the arm of the Lord? The right hand of the Lord is Jesus Christ. The arm of the Lord. My hand is not, what? My arm is not too short that it cannot save. Who saves? Jesus. So listen, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another translation says it this, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. That when you hear the preaching, faith is in, we've talked about this a lot, we've been talking about faith. What happens? A supernatural event happens when you hear the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Why? Because as the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit inputs faith inside of people and invites them to use that faith to believe, to receive a gift. You get the gift of faith to receive the gift of salvation. Does that make sense? It's all by the working of the Spirit. You simply unwrap the package. Does this make sense? Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. This is the the gift of faith coming by the Holy Spirit. He's knocking on the door. You hear it, the sound of it, the word of God, giving faith. You're, oh, Jesus is at the door. You open the door, invite him in, gift of salvation. Does this make sense? Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So when you believe the report, the arm of the Lord is revealed. Listen, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. 
means you. We're growing up before him. What? In, what does Paul say? Into the full measure of the man. I long with birth pains to see Christ fully formed in you. That's what Paul said. For you to grow up and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. Now switch is talking about Jesus. Listen. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Your flesh doesn't want him. Do you see? Hmm. Listen, he is despised and rejected by men. Listen, the Bible says this. You have become accepted in the beloved. Do you understand that your exception by God came because of Christ's rejection by man? I said your acceptance by God came from Christ's rejection by man. And a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He gives me the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Do you see? Listen. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Ours. He was bruised for our iniquities. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that the bruising and the wounds of Christ were not enough? Ask yourself that. When shame and guilt and condemnation tries to come and latch itself to you, what are you confessing? Are you confessing the bruising and the wounds of Christ? Are you confessing your inability to keep the law? God knew you couldn't keep the law. That's why he came and died in the first place. Your iniquities and transgressions are handled, finished, taken care of. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute, but I want to keep reading. Listen. And by his stripes we are healed. We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? It's interesting, that question. Remember that question. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin. This word right here, offering in the Hebrew, it's the word karat. 
and it means to cut a covenant. It's the same word used when they cut the foreskin of a male to cut them into the old covenant. Christ's soul, his seat of emotions, his mind, his will was literally, and, and another word for karat by, karat, by the way, is utterly destroyed. <laughs> this is kind of gross, but you don't reattach a foreskin. You, you understand? It's When that's done, that's cut, it's, dis- it's over, never to be attached. His soul was karat, utterly destroyed as the sacrifice for our sin. Don't tell me that sacrifice wasn't enough. Please don't let the enemy convince you that that wasn't enough. God's very own soul as an offering for our sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. What is the labor of his soul? Remember that. What is the labor of his soul? By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall be justified. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercessor intercession for the transgressors, because he bore the sin of many. Hmm. Who will believe our report? Who will believe? that the cross was enough? Who will believe that all your sins have been handled? Who will believe that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Who will believe that the chastisement of our peace was upon Him? Who will believe that an anxiety has been destroyed? That depression has been destroyed? That sickness has been destroyed? That we have everlasting life? Who will believe that death, hell, and the grave have been defeated and it's finished? Who will believe our report? Why? Right here. Who will declare to His generations? Who will declare? Who will be a witness? Who will speak forth and tell of the things that I've done? You see, many of us are still walking around in this life, bound up, still thinking we're in that old life. The enemy's got us confused. He's got us bound up, thinking, well, God's still got to do some work in me, and we're so focused on us that we can't do good works for God, that we can't begin to testify, that we can't begin to love others, that we can't become that shining light, because we think there's still work that needs to be done with us, but Christ Christ says this to you, it is finished. God took care of every part that you needed to take care of. I listed every issue you could ever have. He did it all. He took care of everything. Your griefs, your sorrows, he bore them all. Your, the, your, your peace, it's right there. The chastisement was on it. Your transgressions, your sins, he took it. Your sickness, your disease, he healed you. He handled you. Why? So you could do the works that he is predestined for you to do. But the enemy convinces us and works on us and gnaws on us to get us to get our eyes off Christ, off the cross, and back on us. The only way they were healed from the serpent's bite in the wilderness was Moses is when they set their eyes on the the snake that was lifted up. representing what? Christ. Just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He wants anything, because the snake bite don't work when you stare at the cross. I said the snake bite don't work when you stare at the cross. Just gaze at Him. Behold the Lamb of God. 
who is slain, who takes away the sins of the world. It's penalty, it's price, all of it. Every bit that comes with it, it's power over you, all of it. Some of you are like, well, I just need to act right. No, you already were made right. Why don't you just be right? Why don't you just believe it? I started living more pure and holy, not because I decided to start living more and pure and holy, but because I, I realized I'm already pure and holy, and I don't have to try, I just have to do. I just have to believe, and then I'll be. Does that make sense? It's all works by faith. If I don't believe it, it's, I, I'm, I void its power. The very thing you need to live right is the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And if you believe you're still disqualified, you automatically void its powers, that power ability to work within you. But when you believe it, it starts working by faith. We are saved by faith through grace, right? By grace through faith. Divine power working in us by, through faith. We believe. Amen? Sweet. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Glad, glad we're in agreement. Ephesians chapter 2. You're not in agreement with me, by the way. You're in agreement with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We'll talk about that when we get to teaching on the resurrection of the dead. But listen, he says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I want to tell you something, both men and women, because we're brides and ladies, you're sons, all right? It's just the way there's neither male nor female in Christ, you understand? So when you see sons, don't let some other man tell you that promise and don't. Won't even get me started on that. Okay. <laughs> Listen, he now works in the sons of disobedience. You are not a son or daughter, a son of disobedience. You're a son of obedience. That is your identity. That's who you are in Christ. It's actually not in you to disobey God. It's in you to obey God. The thing that's in you that wants to disobey God is a lie, and it's already lost its power over you. You're actually now prone and geared towards obedience of God because you've been made new. Look, I, behold, I've made all things new. You think God recreated you and left the very thing that he came to destroy? You think God recreated you and left sin's power in you and left you flawed? You think the flawless lamb would come? and lay down his life and die for you to leave you still busted, broken, and disgusted? I don't think so. You've been healed and made new. You're the whole man. The difference is you're just a child, and you need to grow up like it said, the plant before him, like a tender plant growing up into what? The knowledge of the report. Grow up in the knowledge of the report. Grow up in the knowledge of the good news. Believe that Christ is being formed in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe it and you'll see it. The world says, I'll believe it when I see it. In the kingdom, we believe it and then we see it. Mm. Among whom also we all. Somebody say the next word. Once. That's a good word. Once, it means no more. Once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature 
children of wrath, just as the others were by nature, children of wrath, past tense, were, you are by nature a child of righteousness. You are by nature, it's who you are. Listen, I know in this area we got some Italians, we got people they love, they're like, by nature, I'm an Italian, I can't help but be an Italian. I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were talking about losing weight and stuff, and I was like, yeah, I had to cut out the carbs, it really helped me though for a season to get there. She goes, oh, I'm Italian. She's like, I don't know how I'm going to do that, she's like, I got pasta. For sure. She's already talking about all the things, and I'm like, yeah, but by nature, she's Italian. By nature, you are righteous. By nature, you tend to obey. By nature, you love and long to please your father. By nature. Listen, you don't have, when you're a good, I'm talking about good parent now. When you're, you'd be a half-decent parent, really. You don't have to convince your kids to want to please you. Kids just genuinely look for the approval and smile of their parent. They just do. It's, it's built in them. So is it built in you, child of God. And then we think we're more righteous than God, and ain't nobody in this room cast their child out of their house every time they make a mistake. And then we, so we walk around and let the devil convince us God's like that. Foolishness. Get out of here. That's a lie from the pent of hell. If you, being wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, which one of you, if your children ask for a piece of bread, would give him a stone? Which one? These are the words of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. Which one? And the Bible says right here, his report was true. Which one of you asking for a fish would your father give you a serpent? But if you, being wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father? Will he freely give the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy to those who ask, those who believe? Because let me tell you, you wouldn't ask if you didn't believe. Mm. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were, somebody say were, dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved Mm. and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There's no anger and wrath of God in Christ. There's only tender, kinded mercy in Christ. In, I'm talking about in. There's, this is the difference. In and out. That's the difference. You're either in Christ or you're out. Does that make sense? And, and when you're in, the Bible says this, no one takes them out of my Father's hands. Mm. Said no one takes them out of my Father's hands. The difference is in and out. And guess what? You can't get prideful. And that's where you know people start getting back under the law. You want to know how your mind, your soul starts getting back under the law again, the yoke of bondage? You'll start thinking you're better than anybody else. You'll start thinking you're better uh, uh, than other people, than people in sin, because you'll start thinking that you got yourself where you're at, that you did something to earn that salvation, that you did something to get your sins washed, and you won't realize that it's an open invitation to all. They just got to come in. 
the same way. The prostitute on the corner, the drug, all of them, they got the same invitation. Matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, if the people who got it together won't come in, go to the highways in the byways and invite them all. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The same grace that saved you in the beginning through faith is the same grace that keeps you now through faith. Through faith. Mm. And not <laughs> that not of yourselves. I love it. You know, when, when Peter talks about the devil and he deals with the devil and Peter, he says, hey, be sober-minded. Your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion. Be sober-minded. Do you know what sober-minded means? It means to think clearly. You know why he's saying that? Think clearly. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't stumble back into that old mindset of Egypt. Don't fall. Don't let your heart become hard again and doubt. Have a doubting, wicked heart. That's what he says. Don't. Because why? God's already given you a heart of flesh to what? Believe what Christ did. Think sober-mindedly. It had nothing to do with you anyway. Don't let him entice you back into thinking that you have to keep it and earn it and sustain it. But it's by his power. Go and read it. Right in the context is faith. Right in the context is about what you believe. Not of works, least any should boast. So you didn't earn your salvation of works, but let's shift gears. So we just learned that all our problems are taken care of. You don't have any more problems. Well, brother, you don't know my life. Listen, you don't know mine. Okay? Some of you don't know mine. But all my problems are handled by my father. We must become like a child to enter the kingdom of God. All right? I've got a toddler back there in that room. That she has no worries. Her biggest worry tonight is if I'm going to let her have Paw Patrol gummies. <laughs> okay? That's her biggest concern right now. All right. She was she didn't have uh, she, we didn't, I wouldn't lay on the hard floor last night. And that was her biggest problem. She wanted me to do like a, a camp out on the floor. I was like, oh, no, I'm getting a good night's sleep. You know, she wanted me to like lay out on a sleeping bag the night before Sunday. I was like, no, we'll do that later this week. You know, and that was her the worst thing in her life. That's the worst problem she got. <laughs> Why? Because d she has no mind of the bills. She has no mind of food. All she knows is like I'm hungry and she comes to dad. And just trust that what? Dad's going to provide. You, your problems are taken care of. Did you notice that kids are usually way more attentive than adults? You say, what? You mean pay attention longer? No, I mean they catch stuff. They're worried about way. It's hard. Listen, you ever want to really find out what's going on in a house? Talk to the kids. I'm serious. I saw a meme. It was like, uh, yeah, everybody, it's like, it's like, I forgot what it was. Uh, nobody knows your business until the Sunday school pastor asks the kids what they want to pray, pray for. And it's like, it's like, you know, they start dumping what mom and dad said and this and that, you know, and all that. It's the truth. They want, why? Because they're not worried about all the other things that we're so busy worried about. He'll handle it. Daddy will handle it. Somebody's at the door they don't know. A stranger comes knocking. Where do they go? Dad, somebody's at the door. Huh? 
Somebody comes in that they feel aggressive, they get a little bit afraid, where do they run to? Dad, what are you doing? They got a, a problem at night, nightmare, where do they come? Can I get in bed with you, Mom, Dad? Can I, get, can I sit with you? They come running. Man, we could learn something. We need to come running because he's already handled it. And now that we know that, now we can move on. And listen to this next thing. For we are his workmanship created in Christ. Somebody say this with me. For good works, which God pre- prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is beforehand, meaning before the foundation of the earth, when Christ slain, slain Christ, and he looked forward and he saw you and said, yep, that one right there, I want that one. They'll be born. If you're in this room, that's you. They'll be born on this side of the cross with free access to Christ, to believe, to walk with him. That one right there, I have things I want them to do. Fully, fully well knowing all the mistakes that you have made and will make. Understand that. That's the mercy and grace of God. Okay, that's the mercy and grace of God. What God did is he removed all the excuses to not walk in the things that he has for us. Why? Because the standard that we need to meet was met by his blood. All the requirements of the law were what? Nailed to the cross by Jesus Christ. Done. Over with. Welt my pain. Welt my finances. Welt my this. Welt my sorrows. We just read it. Done. Handled. Somebody else is handling it for you. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of the same things of itself. Sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. There's enough trouble in tomorrow that all you have to do is focus on today. I'm telling you, many of us are feeling hemmed up, bound up, confused, because we're looking at our own lives like there's stuff that still needs to be fixed instead of looking at the cross and allowing God to do the works in us that he predestined. And that's the unsettledness that we feel. Not that something more needs fixed, but something's not being fulfilled. Your destiny in him, your calling in him, your work in him. That's what's, he's trying to shake all this stuff. Why? To teach you a lesson, to be dependent upon him. Why? So then you'll do his work, just like the wilderness. They're marching around the wilderness, and he's trying to teach them, rely on my manna. Hey, your clothes won't even wear out. Rely on me. Hey, you need, you need light at night? Guess what? There's a pillar of fire for you. You need to know direction, know where to go in the daytime? Great. I've got a pillar of smoke for you. All you need to do is love me and love others and do the work that I've called you to do in the earth. I've removed every other need. I've removed everything else and got it out of the way. Why? So you can fulfill the good works which God prepared beforehand that you should then walk in them. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is that a condemning statement to you? No. He's saying the proof will be in the pudding. If you actually believe, and we're not saying faith that you need to go out and do these things. That's not even the faith he's talking about. Who has believed our report? Do you see how this works? Who has believed our report? Because if we believe that Jesus handled all my needs, I'll be freed up to worry about others' needs. 
And faith without works is dead, meaning I actually have dead faith because it's not producing things by default in me. But when I actually believe that everything Isaiah 53 said, then faith is allowed to produce works in me because I begin to worry about others. I don't need to get all my ducks in a row. Christ already made them straight as they can be. And one of you said, I already read that. Thus, also faith by itself does not have works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It, it, that what, meaning what? Meaning it's one thing to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's, a, it's one thing to say, you know, Jesus is Messiah. And unfortunately, that's where we've allowed the good news to stop, but th- that's, that's a doctrine of demons. I just read you the full good news in Isaiah 53. The demons believe he's God. You can't believe he's God. You've got to believe you've been made righteous. You've got to believe the blood was really enough. You've got to really believe that the Holy Spirit really works in you, that even when you mess up, it's handled. I'm covered. There is blood on my doorpost. You must pass me by. The devil comes knocking. You got no place here. Listen, the ruler of this world came to me and and has nothing in me. Why? Because he found nothing of himself in me. You can believe that same thing about you because the life that Christ lived, we now live in him and through him. You have that same life if you believe it. And you say, well, how do I believe it? Well, it's already been. Thank you for asking. By the fact that I'm speaking, it's coming out of my mouth. The faith to believe it is already present. Just take it as a gift. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what I just spoke. The word of God. Isn't this good news? Woo, you thought I was about to, to spank you and tell you to get to work. I didn't. I didn't. I told you just have Christmas morning. What I'm telling you to do, man, what a G. I just, I just got a crazy revelation just now, Christmas morning, just clicked on me. And it's okay if, if you believe it's a pagan holiday, this or that, whatever. The revelation, God is not backwards to speak through that, by the way. It don't bother him to speak through anything. It does, he's not bashful. But listen to this. Like, listen, think about this. All you know you need to do is wake up on Christmas morning and open and receive. Open and receive. All I'm telling you to do right now this morning, what I'm preaching to you, is open and receive. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Open and receive. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why don't you just go ahead and believe God? 
Why don't you just go ahead and believe that you've been made righteous? Why don't you just go ahead and believe that the God will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask of him? Why don't you just go ahead and believe that he's a miracle working God? Miracles don't come by the working of the law, but by belief in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, chapter, uh, verse 5. Go ahead and read it. It's by faith that it comes. You want to see people healed? Stop believing that you need to get right and live so holy and carry some certain anointing to see people healed. No, you don't. Believe in the cross and the resurrection and the power of Christ will come and save that soul, save that body. Accounted to him as for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. It's, it's faith that works. Faith that works. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Meaning what? Do you need to go drum up life? Does a dead body attempt to drum up life? No, I don't have to tell my body to live right now. It just lives because it has it. You will just have works because you have faith. It will literally come as effortlessly as my body lives because the spirit still is here as effortless as you will produce works in faith. But the enemy, again, of your soul is trying to convince you that you still need to work on you and that you're not qualified for God to do things through your life. He gets you so hung up. I don't care if you spent eight hours on porn last night. You can be delivered right now. Do you understand? The, that, and if you will believe what I just said, you'll be just as righteous in this moment as I stand right here preaching the word of God before you. We talked about on Wednesday, the Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we run to apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers thinking that they live more righteous lives so God will hear their prayers over ours. But they are just the same standing before Christ as you are. And if you will believe it, and the devil does not want you believing that. He does not want you to get this message right here, right now. It shuts down his whole plan. It's all overturned by the blood. It shuts it down. It stops it all. He stops dead in his tracks when you believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ and that your faith will be evident in works destroyed. And this is the reason that Christ came, to destroy the works of the devil. I'm telling you. Sometimes we're going by, we want to feed somebody, and we're like, oh, i, I got to worry about my family and this and that, and so I don't want to feed them. But that's actually not believing the truth because the truth is your father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold is his, so certainly I can meet that need because I'm meeting that need out of his abundance and not my lack. Does that make sense? Come on. You go to pray for the sick and you got pain in your own body, and you start praying for them out of your pain instead of praying for them out of the price he paid. Ooh, you're, you're, ooh, he was, by his stripes we're healed. You're praying for them out of your pain and not the pain of Christ on the cross. We need to start praying from Christ's pain and not our own. 
We need to start believing from the price that he paid and not the one that we think we need to pay. Well, brother, you want an anointing, you want a ministry, you want this, just live so right, you know, cut it all out, just stop doing everything, you know, that, that you think that you need to have get done and just, you know, just follow Jesus, brother, and just do perfect and, and follow every jot and tea and then God will move through you rubbish. Paul said, I'm the chief sinner amongst you. The chief amongst you. And man, they were taking handkerchiefs from this cat and throwing them on people and demons were coming out. By faith. You think Paul was such a holy vessel that his sweat just reached the holiness level that they needed for it to, to, to seep out of the head that they wiped it and then that's what did it? Certainly not. Faith did it. Faith did it. Hmm. Ha. You are predestined for good works. That you should walk in them. All your problems are handled. Every one of them done. Nailed. And you believing God, loving him, allows you to now love others. You believing that your love, your loved and accepted, allows you to love and accept others. You don't have to, what are you waiting for anymore? Christ already came. His blood was already shed. What more are we waiting for? I'm already made right. But there are a lot of people who aren't. There's a lot of people who aren't. They haven't yet believed the report. And the Bible says this, how can they believe it if no one tells it? And how can you tell it if you've not been sent? Well, I just read to you in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to go read it again, that you've all been sent. You've all been sent. This week at work, something comes up on your shift. Somebody does something that you don't agree with, you don't, don't like. It's handled. Don't let that get distracted from you sharing about what God has done for you, how he saved you and washed you while you're sitting at that lunch table with that guy. That person that's, you know, uh, let me tell you this. Say you got into it with your parents or your spouse the day before, that, that very morning on your way to work. You got road rage. You cut somebody off, this and that. And you get to work and somebody's broken and they're weeping. Maybe they're pregnant. Maybe they got pregnant out of wedlock. Maybe, maybe they're, uh, maybe they're, they're addicted to drugs. Maybe they're doing this. Maybe they're doing that. Maybe they're in a place of brokenness and loss and hopelessness. And you're so wrapped up in what you just did that you say, well, I'm disqualified to even reach out and help them. But the reality is that's a lie because you've already received the righteousness of God in Christ. Your issue this morning was taken care of because you believe. And you can actually receive that washing and now invite them into the same gift. The same salvation, the same faith. He removes it all. Man, listen. 
husbands, wives, household homeowners, people that rent. You have a house, you have a place, you have a table, you have food. Well, we argue and we this and we that and we fall short, all fall short, all fall short. You're like, I'll invite people over and I'll do this and I'll do that one day when I get right. One day will never come. One day already came 2,000 years ago. One day already came. You have an opportunity. You, there's many people in your lives. I want to challenge you now with faith that works. Faith that works. All I'm doing, I'm not laying a burden on you. I'm, 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 it's Christmas morning. It's Christmas morning. And, and I'm telling you the very joy that you're looking for will be found in this because it's, it's by faith. You believe that God called you to good works, and as you do it, open. Many of you have an opportunity. You have a dinner table. Many, many people nowadays, church has gotten so twisted, and there's this church and that church, and people don't know. They don't know if you're a cult. They don't know this and they don't know that. They, they I, I invite them to church. If they say no, start there. If they say no, that's cool. If they come right in, awesome. Some people will never set foot in this church. They'll never set foot in it, but they will come to your house for dinner. They'll come to your house for dinner. What did it cost you? We eat out all the time. And it doesn't matter because, by the way, your dad's covering the bill. So invite them over for dinner. Talk with them. Just befriend them. Let them see you're not weird. You're not some crate. Well, maybe you are, but it's okay. We're peculiar people. <laughs> they're probably super weird, too, to be honest. They're, they're just not humble enough to admit it yet. That's all. They don't have the humility of Christ. They're probably even weirder than us, you know. It's all right. So, you know, and hey, if it's the weird person at work, pick that one. God likes the peculiar people. The one nobody likes that's just weird that rubs everybody wrong, pick that one. Listen, I'm telling you, God loves to show up, man. And just have them over to your house and and get to know them. Make friends, you know. And you lead them to Jesus. How do I lead them to Jesus? Go back and listen to everything I just said. It's a free gift. You want to know how you lead them to Jesus? Wrap up the gospel and show them Christmas morning. Here's the free gift of God. Well, what do I have to do? Open the gift. How do I open it? I just gave you the gift. I preached the gospel to you. You can't earn it. It's not of works. It's by faith. You do that, and then they get saved, and then you're like, oh, yeah, hey, come to church, by the way. (laughs) Can you do that? I think we can do that. It's faith that works. Some of you, when I said that, some of you swallowed, but then your heart burned because I'm speaking to what you've been called to do. I'm speaking, I'm telling you, I saw it. Some of you, and then your heart burned. And you're like, why does my heart, why did I go, because your flesh doesn't like what I'm saying. And then your heart burned because your spirit's like, yes, this is what I'm longing for. Yes, there's that faith to believe. There's that faith to believe. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you right now for life-giving faith. You can catch those like life-giving faith. God, I, I speak to the destiny and the callings that are hemmed up in this room. No more done. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering, helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. 
Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.